You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to this week's Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. Joining me this week is staff member at Liberty Ballers, Harrison Grimm. And in addition to all the great coverage Harrison provides for us at the site, he's also uh, our go-to guy for finding like obscure videos on the interweb. Um, so that, that was kind of the reason I wanted to have him on this week. We're going to talk about the, the Moss workout slash hype video that, that hit the webs yesterday. Um, so we're going to start off with that. But Harrison, thank you for joining me. Happy to have you on the uh, podcast this week. Thanks. I, I really appreciate the invite. Um, I'm really glad that we have at least some stuff to talk about that isn't just Ben Simmons trade trade related, I guess. Um, and, and what better way to to attack a topic than with that that amazing Korkmaz video? Nothing less of amazing. It, it truly was one of a kind, much like Furkan himself. Uh, to start, I just want to ask you, how did you first come across the video? Because uh, I'm sure there were other outlets that came across it, but amongst Sixers Twitter, it was you posting it to to your account at Harrison underscore Grimm that, that most people retweeted or quote tweeted. So that, that's the primary way it hit the circles that I saw. So, so how did you first come across it? Yeah, it's actually funny that you asked that. So... The simple and boring explanation is I literally just hopped on Instagram. I follow all the Sixers because obviously I followed the team and I saw it. And when I first watched it and, you know, we're going to dive into it with, with a break, break by breakdown of, of the entire thing. Um, I was watching it and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And as soon as I heard the, the whip crack in the instrumental, I was like, <laughs> I'm pulling this. I'm bringing it to Twitter. I, I didn't even watch the rest of it. As soon as I heard that, I recorded it, moved it over to Twitter. And then once once I posted it, I fully watched it. And it was even more crazier than I originally thought. So the simple and boring explanation to that to that question is I found it on Instagram and I wasn't even early to it. I, I was two hours late to it. So I have no idea how it how it didn't get to Twitter before I came across it. Yeah, uh, this day and age, usually things, if you're two hours past something, usually it's it's old news. But yeah, you were you were kind of first to it on uh, Sixers Twitter. Um, so good job keeping your eyes and ears on on social media for that. Uh, yeah, let's let's dive in because there's there's a lot to discuss. Um, it's it's a it's a one minute, 50 second long video, but it's one minute and 50 seconds of absolute gems. So I don't think we can ask, we don't think we can leave anything unmentioned. So yeah, you mentioned the whip cracking. So before we get to the music, it starts off, it's just a glimpse of, of Cork Moss and he has the checkered shorts on, which I don't know, what were your thoughts on the fit throughout the video? I felt like, man, it was, th- this whole entire thing was so perfect, but I felt like 
it, it really played into the whole vibe or, or the whole genre of, of this video that was almost like a movie trailer-esque. Like, it, it was kind of a, a throwback look to the 80s, if you will. I'm, I'm not a big 80s guy. I wasn't really alive back then. But that's what it really reminded me of. I, I felt like it, it really matched the tone of, of and all the, like, colors and everything of it because there was parts in it where where it was grainy and kind of, slow motion that were just kind of thrown in there but um but the fit was incredible firkin is, is one of the best dressing sixers and he, i if i'm not mistaken he had a chain on if yes. along with it <laughs> if not at some point in the video so the outfit was a 10 out of 10 i i expect nothing less from firkin yep he he's he's always keeping it fresh love love the fits um yeah he it, i i definitely i definitely liked the checkered shorts tank and chain which was what he had for about 80% of the video. It was all great. Um, so, so we got a glimpse of that. Then it, then it went to the camera panned in on section 117. I, I don't know if there was any significance to, to the 117 number. I guess not. Like, who knows? Maybe maybe someday somebody can ask him in an interview. Um, the film by Possible, which is just a great name for a production company. I, I really like that. And then... Uh, there's a little play-by-play announcing, which sure it's a workout video, but then you mentioned the whip crack, and it really starts kicking off with like, I would call it a Rocky slash Western music mashup. Like if if Becca and Pitch Perfect was was bringing these two genres together, this is what we would get. Um, so yeah, right away you said that's when you knew you had to post it to Twitter, and for me it, that was just when the weirdness really ratcheted up with with. It, it, there's whistling and then there's like silhouettes of himself on, in the weight room. Um, and then, and then you get to like more of the workout stuff, but yeah, it just, just, as you mentioned, the music itself was it, just a whole nother level. Like I, I couldn't believe that this, these were the choices that were made and I absolutely love them. I would love to know the background of it, of, of how they settled on that, like kind of vibe and instrumental. If it was, Firkin actually requesting something like that or if it's just kind of something the the editors pieced together it, it was so it was so funny to me though because typically when you see off-season workout videos they'll either have like no audio it's just empty gym sound or or like rap music which makes sense um the, the soundtrack sounded like it was something out of like Red Dead Redemption <laughs> yes it, it that, was that, Red Dead Red Dead Redemption but if it, it took place in Philadelphia like how can how can we make it sound Philadelphia? Like there's definite there, there's there's chords from the Rocky songs. They they definitely sampled. But yeah, you're right. Like Red Dead Redemption. Like hey, the old gunslinger, not afraid to like let it fly from anywhere on the court. Like this this is his vibe that we're going for. How can we capture that in music? And yeah, that's that's what we got. Just just great stuff. Um, so yeah, then then we saw there's some like standard. He's doing some plyometrics. He's doing some weight training. You got the band snapping from the weight plate. Just you know, standard workout video stuff. All, all good to see. But then it's I, I made sure to tag the time. It's 39 seconds in, where I, I think something will see gift for a long time. It's the CGI flames <laughs> around the rim, the overhead shot. And Quirkmas coming for the baseline reverse dunk through the CGI flames. It's it's a legendary moment for for Sixers Twitter. I think when when that when that first hit our hit our uh, the streams and everything. Like I don't I, what 
what I mean, what was going through your mind when you saw CGI flames pop up in this workout video? It, it, it's funny, like even now I, I can tell you're amazed by it, and I feel the same way. I, I typically don't react like heavily to something, but but with this video, like I rewatched this thing probably five times, which I'm not the type of person to really do that. I was just in complete awe, and it was in that moment where like the first time I was watching through and I saw him do, I think it was like a reverse dunk in, into a rim on fire. I was just like, what? Like, first, first it's like a Western theme, like workout thing. And now he's dunking and, and there's fire. It, it was just so much to process. And then like during this entire time, like there, there was shots kind of like cut in between of like slow-mo, super blurry of like just his face or whatever. It, it was like so hard to process. And even now, like we're, we're day removed and, and I, I feel like you feel the same way. We're just kind of like, what is going on? Like, yeah, just absur- said, absurdity in the perfect way. Like you couldn't ask for more out of a, like an off season workout, a hype video type thing. Just, just Easter eggs throughout. I feel like it, um, it was, it was 10 times better than anything Ben has posted and everyone <laughs> has obsessed over his off season videos. It, it, it's not even close. Yeah. We, we crawled through tons of, 24 hour fitness looking gym videos so that we could finally be rewarded with the cork moss video that's uh that was our our light at the end of the tunnel um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah you said you mentioned his face starts popping up so the next frame is you literally zoom through the rim and his face appears as if he's this like guru like figure and then you cut back to uh he's back on the court uh, they they flash eighteen oh five a few times, which he's European, so that's like six oh five p.m. Um, I guess that's signifying that he's in the gym all day. That that's showing like his commitment to like he's just always there. Like he got there in the morning, he's still there at six oh five at night. So just showing showing his dedication. Um, then then it kicks into more like Rocky music again. Like mm-hmm. the Western theme's totally gone now. There's fire now. Uh, like we're back. We're back. It's Rocky stuff. And he's going at it. But the CGI flames return as he's holding the ball in his hands, which is now on fire. So my question is, do you think the ball uh, caught fire when he dunked it through the rim? Is that what happened? Because you see in the background, the rim is no longer on fire while he's holding the, the, the fiery ball now. It, I, I don't even know. Like. I guess that's like to symbolize like he's a he's a fire shooter, he's a sharpshooter, which you know he, he can shoot. That's what Furkin's out there to do. But that's true. Definite NBA jam vibes, I guess. Like he's on fire. It it must have been something from like that, like a reference reference to a video game or, or something. I, I'm assuming that's what that's from. Or or maybe they were just like, you know what? We added flames to the rim, let's just add flames to the basketball because it's cool. Yeah. Uh and and hey. I'm not arguing with the decision. I just, <laughs> I just want to understand it more because I love it so much. Um, so then the best, it's the best unintentional comedy portion of it. And, and there, there are plenty of portions that you could call unintentional comedy, but there's a shot where he flips the ball behind his back and they do a snap cut to it going through the hoop as if to indicate that he, he just flipped it behind his back from somewhere on the court and happened to go through the, the hoop. But at, you, you mentioned 80s earlier. So this reminded me of every 80s sports movie where they didn't know how to edit sports scenes properly. So that you just got these super awkward cuts where some actor who had never shot a basketball in his life threw up this like 
one-handed set shot that looked like a, a person that had, didn't have an athletic bone in their body, and then they snap to the basket, and it goes through. So it definitely mm-hmm. reminded me of that. And I'm glad you brought up the '80s vibes. It was it was like a it was like a Teen Wolf thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was like a hidden a hidden part that you didn't catch on first viewing, but that snap cut was amazing. Um, then there was some more like, hey, he's talking with this trainer. Let's show his coachability a little bit. Uh, some basic shooting drills, some more dunks. Then all of a sudden, he gets there's a random shot of him shirtless. He he'd had the tank on all video. Sudden. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess he's just showing he's working hard, like the sweat that's been pouring out, like the tank isn't even enough anymore. He's got to he's got to rip that off. He's, he's shirtless for a shot. Um, then then the fiery ball comes back. And I wanted to ask you, have you seen have you seen the room? The movie, it's uh, people watch it like they do like midnight viewings. And it's like one of those so bad that people just make fun of it and have a good time kind of experiences. Are, are you familiar feel, with this at all? I feel like I should be, but honestly, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, so I'll do a little bit more explaining. So okay. in, in the room, and uh, there was a movie, I think it was two years ago, The Disaster Artist, where they kind of parodied, parodied the making of the room, starring like G- the Franco brothers were in it, and they won some awards. So this was like parodying this movie, The Room. Um, so in The Room, he shoots this super awkward sex scene with the the main female actress who plays the female lead in the movie and she felt so like exploited and awkward and uncomfortable about the sex scene that she refused to shoot another one with him so she wouldn't shoot another sex scene but the script the script called for it so later in the movie they just show identical footage of the sex scene from earlier in the movie as if it's another occasion where they're having sex but it's just the same exact footage. They just reuse it. And it's so obvious. And it's one of the things people make fun about the movie. There's like 200 wow. things, but that's one of them. Yeah. But the reason I brought that up is the, the fiery ball shot. It looks, it, it, it's clearly the same exact shot and framing that they used from the earlier fiery ball shot. So <laughs> it just, it just reminded me of that. And I just, I just wondered if maybe the CGI budget, like they ran out. They had a certain CGI budget, and they're like, "Listen, Furcon, we did we did the rim, we did your we did the fiery ball holding it. We we can't do a third one, man. Unless you want to put up some more money, you just signed that new contract. But th- this is what we got with the budget." And he's like, "You know what? It'll it'll work. Just 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 throw the same shot in there again." It, it was funny because I saw so many replies to it. I literally spent a lot of my night last night just looking through. Like, there's so many quote tweets and just reactions from not just like Sixers people, but other fan bases were like this is insane like this is crazy and a lot of the comments were like these edits like are both so amazing and then also it looks like some portions of it were made like in a for a high school video project like it was such a weird combination like some of it looked like insanely professional done professionally done and then there's another part of it or like another vibe or feeling where it was just like, this was just like thrown together. It's, it's so hard to explain unless you actually watch it. And, and I'm sure you kind of know what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's balancing the professional aspects. Like sometimes you see like the teams, the teams come out with their, their hype videos or whatever, like the Eagles, mm-hmm. 
Twitter will drop one at, at the beginning of each season. And they're like, wow, this is really amazing. It's, it's a really cool thing they threw together for two minutes. It's like this professional trailer for a sports team. Like, that's awesome. And then, t- and then sometimes there's guys that just like, they're filming something on their phone and it's like, Hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. This was like balancing those two things in this really weird and unique way that we don't really see a lot. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of glammed onto it. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent there. So that was, that was kind of the last super weird aspect of it. Just that they reused that shot. It ends with him doing the reverse dunk down the lane. It, the only way it could have been better for me was I was hoping the Darth Vader mask would make an appearance. Oh, yeah. From, from when, uh, for those that don't know, Quirk Moss has won a, a dunk contest in Europe before. Uh, and his his big one that uh, people remember is him wearing a Darth Vader costume, or, or, or at least a mask, not the whole costume, while he does a dunk. So I was hoping that would make an appearance, but it didn't. Still good to see him end with a dunk to remind people of his athleticism. Um, and then, yeah, possible is the the production company or the the training company strategies for talents and they show the the fiery rim outline to to end it on just as one last reminder of what a what a fiery shooter he is that and yeah the the nba jam vibes again so yeah man uh just a minute 50 of pure gold i i i'm very happy that you uh you found that and brought that to everyone's attention on twitter because uh, this this offseason has has been lacking, I would say, in a lot of joyous moments for the Sixers fan base. Uh, so this this was a really good lighthearted thing to to brighten our days. So on behalf of uh, Sixers Nation, Harrison, thank you for for finding that for us. <laughs> I, I provided the medicine for the whole Ben Simmons drama with, yes. with that Furkin video. So. I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> yes, and thank and thank you to uh, to Furkan for for even putting that together. Uh, just wonderful human being. We love him, and we're glad that we have him for a few more years after he he re-upped with the team the team this past offseason. So, all right. So you mentioned, uh, yeah, the the Simmons stuff. We do we do have to to do some newsy items here on the pod. Uh, <laughs> the, the, there were some developments since last week's episode. Uh, ben officially officially saying he's never going to play with the Sixers again he's willing to to hold out if that's what it takes um we've also had doc who's been making a somewhat (laughs) awkward media tour this week uh partially he's promoting a podcast he's doing um partially he's I guess trying to reconnect with the Simmons camp but he a couple days ago he or it might have been yesterday he he out and out lied about the the post game seven press conference saying that the Simmons question was the first question when that was not the case and saying that people were misrepresenting what he was saying which wasn't the case either like it's there's video man like we got we got the tapes uh we see what you said it's fair to say things were blown out of proportion you could say that you know, that's just how I felt in the moment coming off a crushing loss. That's not really how I feel. I was just, you know, so upset about how things had unfolded that night. Like you can walk back your statement. That's all fine. But to, to out and not lie that like, Hey, this is fake news. Like you guys are saying something that I didn't actually say, like that was a little disappointing from doc. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts when you, you saw those quotes from him this week? 
Yeah, so I I felt like uh, apart from ultimately throwing the media underneath the bus with that, uh, I felt like he did a decent job kind of addressing all that stuff as good of his job as Doc Rivers could do. Um, and, and you can kind of tell what, what the Sixers are trying to do. They're trying to get Ben in and kind of ex- extinguish the fire that is this situation that has been unfolding over the past few weeks. And, and it's funny that, you know, you're like, um, you know, Ben came out officially and said he doesn't want to be a Sixer because I feel like that has been reported and said by, by so many people. And we're just in like a constant cycle, if you will of just going through these reports and it's just never ending but but going back to the quotes at hand I I felt like Doc did good for the most part but it it was such a strange approach to kind of say the media misinterpreted my my quotes after the game when and like you could have said something much simpler like listen I was a bit shell-shocked after that series that lost because let's face it, everybody was, the fans, the players. I, I think people still expected the Sixers to win that series because they were the more talented team. Um, and but, even in the games they lost, like they yeah. were, two of them, they were up by a lot. Like they had huge leads in the majority of these games, mm-hmm. like on a on like a point differential basis or whatever you want to see, like they were they were the better team. And I still feel like, people feel as if you played that series 10 times, the Sixers probably win eight out of 10 or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think you're right in saying that, but yeah, sorry to interrupt. Go on. No, no, no. I, I, I think those are all great points. Um, But it, it was just such a strange approach for him to, to, to say that, to say the media misinterpreted it. And, and that's a, that's a problem because, you know, the media you're, you're questioning openly, their integrity and the work they do. And let's face it, people take pride and ownership of, of the work they do. So going on first take on, on national TV and, and saying that people took a, a exception with that and rightfully so. Um, so the, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about the, the other thing that came out today uh, about him comparing the Ben situation to, to Trump and, and the election and everything. But th- this whole media tour he's on is just kind of head scratching to me. I-, I don't know. Typically, teams or personnel will go out with a goal in mind if they're speaking publicly, whether that's to, let's say, extinguish the, the Ben situation, kind of simmer things down. But it the, the motive behind it is all just kind of questionable at best. Yeah, I the, the, the impetus behind it, you would think, would be to like kind of squash the the beef between the Sixers camp and the Simmons camp and and try to get him closer to actually like showing up to training camp and you know hey you want to be traded we want to accommodate you but you know help us make that possible like you sitting out and just getting fined isn't going to help anybody so you would think that's why they they said like go out and make these sort of comments go on first take do this stuff but what he's been saying is not really helping the cause in the least like he, he could have definitely gone gone on first take and said like yeah man like i i was i, I shell-shocked i think it was the word you used i think that, that'd be a good characterization of it uh you know on reflection obviously ben simmons is one of the best players in the league and he can you can win a championship with him that's never been in dispute 
I, you know, he just had a had a bad series. It can happen to anybody. We still want Ben here. Like he's he's one of the best young players in the league, and we're happy to have. Him. Like that's all you have to say. You don't have to say yeah. that the me, the media is making this into something it it, it hadn't been. Like that, it, there there was a way to go about it, and he didn't do that. And yeah, you mentioned uh, the 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 Trump quote, which he compared trying to get through to Ben's camp as talking to people who still believe Trump won the election. Like he's on morning Joe. So I get, he's trying to like bring, he's promoting his podcast and this is like a political Avenue. He's trying to make that connection, but like, that's, that's not going to help Ben. Like no matter how you feel about, you know, either side in the political realm, like that's not something Ben's going to want to hear. So Mm -hmm. why, why would you even say that? That's not helping the, Ben Simmons camp and the Sixers camp like reunite in any sense. So just, just a dumb thing to say. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think the doc rivers media tour this week has had the desired effect that the Sixers brass might've hoped for going into it. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, I guess we'll see, I, as you said, it's the same kind of story every week. Like there hasn't been anything new since as Tom Moore reported, Ben Simmons actually asked for a, a trade right after the season, like in while they were going through the draft process in Chicago and they had their, their post season meeting. Um, that's when they actually asked for the trade. So th- this has been going on for months and we don't have any new information other than the public being aware of things that have already happened. Like Simmons wants to be traded. He doesn't seem like he's going to play another game in a Sixers uniform. Sixers want to trade him because if he's not going to play a game for you, you got to get what value you can. And that's where we're at. It's where we've, we've been for months. And uh, as people have written on our site, everyone's just kind of tired of talking about it. So, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We'll move on to the next thing. I, I know we have to touch on these things with, with the Simmons situation, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't like talking about it any more than you guys like listening to it over and over again. But that that was the latest this week, so had to touch on it. But we did have some uh, some non Simmons roster news that hit today. Um, Charles Bassey, who was the second round pick taken fifty third overall, finally reached his uh, agreement to sign with the Sixers. They had been at a at an impasse between the Sixers only wanting to give the first year of the three year rookie deal to be guaranteed. Bassey wanted the second year also guaranteed. So about seven weeks later, they reached an obvious compromise of, hey, the second year is partially guaranteed. So uh, Harrison, you're, you're a draft guy. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some uh, draft related stuff 
in our next segment here, but uh, what did you think about the Baski pick originally? What do you think he brings to the table? Um, and and now that they, they, they finally reached an agreement and he can report to camp at the start of training camp next week, um, what do you think his outlook is for the season? Yeah, so Bassey as a prospect, he's really intriguing. It's a defensive-minded center, for those unfamiliar. One of the more talented uh, shot blockers uh, in this past draft. He has kind of heavy feet, so he's not really one of those centers that can kind of switch on to perimeter players and and keep up with them. That's not really what he does. Uh, Offensively, it's a little bit similar to to B-Ball Paul in, in the essence that he plays with a lot of energy. Uh, he's always doing something. He's very active, so that's very good. Um, he, his footwork is average. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's anything special, but at the same time, he's capable of, of doing a post hook if, if if you need him to or something like that. Um, and one of the more intriguing areas of his game is the fact that he can kind of shoot it a little bit. I forget what his free throw percentage was in college. I want to say it was in the 70s. Um, I believe he shot about 30% from three. So while obviously he's not going to be out there chucking threes, he has shown a capability of hitting them, whether or not you can grow that obviously remains to be seen. Uh, but but the them agreeing to a three-year contract is one of the best outcomes, not just for the Sixers, but uh, Bassey's side of things. Um, because if he goes out there, it looked like for a little bit, they were going to sign the one-year qualifying tender, uh, which for those unfamiliar, means you sign him for a year for for a million or, or whatever the amount is and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent in the up in the season after that um so them agreeing to a three-year deal is really good uh Bassey isn't gonna have much playing time this year they have Drummond they have B-Ball Paul who I assume both of those guys are ahead of him in the rotation uh for for at least this season so that, that gives Bassey a chance to really grow into what the goal is for him, which is probably going to be a Joel Embiid backup that, that's a long-term fit that will be there for hopefully the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I just looked it up. He shot uh, sixty or sorry, 76.8% from the line in his career. So, yeah, a draft – evaluators they always say that that's a good indication of shooting potential so yeah a very good free throw shooter for a big man he did shoot um 30 from behind the arc his his last season at western kentucky i think the big thing people have said is that his shots very deliberate he's a very slow release he, he has kind of a wind up that takes a lot to get the shot off so mm-hmm. he's ne- he's never going to be like a a knockdown shooter but maybe if it's just enough that a guy can't his defender can't hang in the, the paint and just yeah. leave him alone completely. Because if he can hit that shot, then that, that would, that would at least open things up in the paint for cutters or whatever else. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good. As you said, they avoided the qualifying tender, which that's would have seemed to mean he wouldn't be in the, the, the long-term future for the club, him only being here for a year and then being an unrestricted free agent. Um, Sixers fans might remember that was something that KJ McDaniels did. He signed a qualifying contender and then he got the, the big three-year deal with Houston. Um, so the, yeah, that's, that's something we've seen in the past with Sixers management and a, and a second round draft pick. So it's good that he'll, he'll be around for, you would think a few years and they'll get to take a longer look at him. Um, if, if he does pan out like, Hey, they do need depth in the front court, like Joel's going to miss 
those 15 or whatever games, whether it's load management or the injuries that always pop up with him, um, you're going to need some depth there. I, I'm not 100% convinced that Doc's ready to go with Paul Reed at the five. They they finally showed it in the last game and a half of Summer League, and he looked great, and I think they should. But whether whether he should and whether Doc Rivers does it is a different story. So I think there is a scenario where Bassey could be like the third big, kind of like Tony Bradley was before they traded Bradley away. So we'll see. It's just, it's good to have another option and it's good that they, they reached this agreement before camp. So he can, you know, work with the club in actual practices and everything. And, you know, you see what you have in them. That's, that's all good. So um, another, another good sign for this Sixers off season when we haven't had a, a ton of them. Um, so as I, as I said, Harrison is a, is a draft guy. So for our, our last segment today, we're, we're going to go back to, just last year with the 2020 NBA draft. And we've been seeing these uh, lists pop up on Twitter from Bleacher Reports redrafts that they do. And the 2021, they're, they're all pretty bad and you can make arguments with all of them. But the 2021 where they didn't even list Tyrese Maxey in their top 14 of an NBA redraft, I, I felt was just so egregious. I, I, had, to, I had to break it down on the pod. Um, so I'm, I'm glad Harrison's on to also discuss that. Um, we're not going to do the full 14 lottery redraft or anything, uh, but I just wanted to ask Harrison to kind of go through and just say, who are the guys you would definitely still take ahead of Maxi if you were redrafting that draft class today? And this is still keeping in mind that it's not necessarily who had the best rookie seasons. Like guys might not have been in, a role where they were allowed to play 20 minutes a game and that's going to happen, but that doesn't mean you give up on them or that they can't show future potential in seasons going forward. But it's just, we have another year of evidence, another year of film to look at and you're getting to see them against professional competition. So if we were to do the redraft today, what, what would you do differently? So Harrison, take it away. Uh, Go ahead and, and give us some names that you would definitely give to Adam Silver in the envelope before Tyrese Maxey, if we were doing that draft less over. Yeah, so I actually came up with the list of uh, doing quick mass, uh, about 10 players. So there's four players that I think, if I'm an NBA team, I would take over Tyrese Maxey, definitely. Um, the first two, you could probably guess it, uh, Anthony Edwards and then Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball. Those are self-explanatory. They're both very talented. They're, they're going to grow to become pretty good NBA players, I, I think it's safe to say. Uh, and then my other two uh, is Tyrese Halliburton. That one is also a bit self-explanatory, very talented, uh, has shown a willingness to either be a point guard or shooting guard, uh, much better shooter than, than some might have thought um, coming into the NBA as kind of a weird release, but it translated fine, at least in his rookie year. So. He's really talented. He's really good. Uh, and then my fourth guy, my fourth and final guy, is someone that wasn't even mentioned on that redraft uh, by Be- Bleacher Report. He wasn't even in the top 14, which makes me feel like I guess they just kind of forgot about him. Kind of like they forgot about Tyrese Maxey, I feel like. Uh, and that's Detroit Sadiq Bay, um, who has really shown some impressive flashes during his rookie year, a really impressive shooter. He's lengthy, having wings with with big size. He's 6'7", 6'8", around there. 
um, is always good. So I, I feel like if there was a redraft, those four guys, I, f- I feel like are, are really safe to, to be taken over Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. I, the, the first two, as you said, are, you know, no brainers. Yeah. Um, Halliburton's a guy that I, I like a lot. And if, you know, the, with the Simmons stuff, the Kings are, are one of the teams that people always circle back to. Um, and if, if Halliburton was a, a main return, in, in a potential Simmons deal, obviously getting other picks and, you know, other, other stuff, but I, I would be okay with that. I think, I think he has a great future. He's from the games I watched of him. He, he doesn't do anything to hurt you. He's at least above average in every area of his game. And he's a guy that didn't look afraid. Like he was just getting into the fray each and every night, like playing really strong defense. He, he looked like he knew, in, 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 like really cerebral cerebral player just make making good reads on his passes not making dumb rookie mistakes and uh as you said the the, the shooting was kind of a, a bit of a question mark going into the league and, and he shot really well so um yeah he's he's a player i like a lot and i think he has a a very high floor i would say as just a guy like at, at least a third guard for a decade in the league like there's nothing that he doesn't do well enough to help a team. Um, so yeah, I like him a lot. And yeah, Sadiq Bay, I'm, I'm a Nova guy. So I, I obviously like Bay a lot and he, he showed like perfect three and D guy. Like he had some games where he's hitting six, seven threes in a night and really big, strong mobile defender. Like that's, that's the exact kind of wing prospect you want to get. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they didn't use a super high pick to, to find him. So, so kudos to the Detroit scouting department for doing that. Um, which <laughs> here in Philadelphia, people are always saying just, why don't you just take the Villanova guys? They always pan out like from, yeah. from bridges was the one guy they did actually take for 20 minutes and and then <laughs> they let him go. Uh, so between him, like Josh Hart Bay, like all these guys, they seem to work out. So, so why do they keep falling to the, the teens or the late twenties? It doesn't always make sense. Um, you, you know, you have at least a NBA rotation player when, when you take these guys, uh, yeah. So yeah, those, those, I agreed with all of them, um, ahead of Maxi. Uh, so we're, I guess the next group would be like, guys, you could see, you could make the case for either way or, or what, what would your next group be? Yeah. So basically this list of players is kind of, kind of the people I feel like you can make an argument for, like you can say one, one of the guys I'm going to mention, Patrick Williams, you, you can argue that you could take him over Tyrese Maxey, or I know there's some people that would even take Maxey over him because some might argue Maxey is a higher ceiling. Um, but yeah, so, so I'll just dive into that list. Uh, first one, obviously, is Patrick Williams, uh, who has shown a capable capability of being a, a 3 and D forward. He's exactly what Chicago is going to need this season with the core of Levine. Uh, DeRozan and Vucevic so they need that defense um, has shown he's at least capable of being an above average shooter which listen if you can be an above average shooter and a great defender you have a 10-year NBA career ahead of you so he'll be in the league for a long time what what his ceiling is now might be a bit more murky considering just the abundance of offensive talent on that roster the opportunity isn't necessarily there anymore uh, so we'll see what happens with him. He, he actually just got hurt. Um, with yeah, he's out, he's out four to six weeks with an ankle sprain for, yeah. for anybody listening that didn't catch the news today, which that, you know, bad break to happen just 
prior to training camp and everything for a Chicago team with a, a lot of optimism heading into the season. Um, and he was going to play a, a key role for them, as, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I, I feel like Patrick Williams has an argument. Uh, Detroit's other player, Isaiah Stewart, has, has also shown some really impressive flashes of just being uh, kind of an undersized center, but he, he has such a great motor. He's great defensively, great rebounder. Um, and I, I think he's got the the bare minimum of Isaiah Stewart is being a really, really good backup in the NBA. Um, probably going to be the main starter now with, with Plumlee uh, shipped to, I believe it was Charlotte. So he's another guy that's, that's definitely up there in that conversation. Uh, the other one is Maxie's old uh, backcourt mate, which is Emmanuel Quickly uh, with the Knicks. He was a key bench guy on a good Knicks team. It's weird having good and Knicks in the same sentence, but <laughs> it was a really good Knicks team. Um, he's shown some impressive flashes of, at bare minimum, probably being a microwave scorer off the bench. Uh, he needs to improve with efficiency, but if he does that, I, I feel like he can be really good. Um, Jaden McDaniels uh, out of Minnesota is a really intriguing prospect who was taken uh i forget where he was taken i think it was like late 20s if i'm not mistaken um he has shown some really impressive flashes of being kind of like a, a stretch four or five with some really impressive defense um and length uh he's someone along with halliburton that the sixers should be looking at to get in a return for simmons because he looks really good and, and he's only 20 years old so he still has plenty of room to grow and then the last player I have is Memphis's uh, Desmond Bain. He was taken 30th overall. Uh, that one's pretty self-explanatory. Really, really good shooter, solid defender. You can't go wrong with having both of those skill sets in the NBA. Yeah, um, McDaniels was 28th. So, yeah, you were right, like late late first round. So, good, great, great pick by Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. If they are going to be engaged in talks with Minnesota for – Simmons like McDaniels should be definitely included in the return package. Um, he's the kind of upside guy that you would want to see uh, given you're giving up a guy that's a multiple time all-star, you know, defensive player of the year runner up and everything. So if you're, if you're still going to hit your ceiling uh, with having these lottery ticket type guys like McDaniels would have to be included for me in a deal. Um, yeah, I feel I, I agreed with all of the guys you mentioned um, in that there you can make an argument either way vis-a-vis Maxi or them. Um, I think, I think Williams and, and Bain and Stewart are all, Hey, do you prefer a higher ceiling guy like Maxi where his best outcome is like primary initiator, all-star type point guard, or he could just be, you know, microwave scorer type, like, bench bench guy who comes in and gets you some points if you need it like that remains to be seen we're we're all very optimistic it's much closer to maybe not all-star guard like that's kind of a best case scenario outcome but at least a a high caliber starting point guard um versus yeah a a bench player but you know it's only been one year you can't you can't say he's definitely going to achieve his ceiling yet but he has that ceiling where whereas i think like williams and bain are very good three and D type being a three and D guard Williams, a three and D forward um, guys that any team would love to have, but are they going to be all-star type players? There's a lower probability than somebody like Maxi achieving that ceiling. 
Um, and then Stewart, yeah, I got a guy I like a lot as well. Um, high energy guy also showed a little bit of, you know, three point shooting ability. He only shot about one per game, um, but he shot 33%, which for a five, you know, that's, that's at least helpful that he could continue to develop that. Um, maybe, maybe it'd be a somewhat of a stretch five type. Um, and as you said, as long as he does all the hustle stuff he does and, and the excellent defense and just high energy guy, like that's at least a very helpful guy to have in your rotation. So, but, but again, he's, it doesn't seem like he's ever going to be like an all-star type player. So he doesn't have that ceiling. So I, I feel like with those guys, yeah, it's, do you want, do you want this high ceiling or do you want more of a clearly defined at the very least, these guys are like seventh or eighth men in your rotation, which I feel like th- those guys should all be in the future. Um, Quickly and McDaniels, I feel like are more higher range of outcome type players, kind of how Maxi is. Um, quickly had a, somewhat of a similar season to Maxi in that they they showed flashes where at times you're like, hey, this guy could really pop. Like, what a great pick in the 20s. Um, but then there was also times they were completely out of the rotation, both of those guys. So I, th- I think they're in a similar boat. And then uh, McDaniels, very raw. Uh, but has a lot of very toolsy though, and a lot, lot of skills you like to see. So um, different, different, obviously different type of player than Maxi being a, this Swiss army knife type forward guy, whereas Maxi's, you know, a scoring guard, but it's similar, like high range of wide range of outcomes. Um, so I, I agreed with all of those guys you mentioned. The only other guy I would list would be uh, James Wiseman, who mm. not a good rookie year, but, I, I still hold to the belief that big men, they, they take a few years to really develop and, and given the, the talent that was there and his, his profile as a draft prospect, I, I, I would still probably say like, Hey, let's, let's see what we can get out of this guy down the road. Like he also showed flashes like, Hey, the shooting could be there. The rim protection could be there. He's still incredibly mobile and quick for his size. Like, you could see a scenario where it all comes together and he is like this all-star level big man that can do everything like that. That's still within the realm of possibilities for him. And just because he struggled with a Warriors team that was kind of balancing like, Hey, we have Steph and we need to be like pushing for the playoffs and doing everything we can to, to maximize getting wins. It, it wasn't like the, the ideal Hey, we have a rookie big man who we need to develop. It wasn't the ideal situation for that. So I, I would still kind of throw Wiseman in that in that range as well, um, but yeah. Other than that, I, I I agree with all the guys you mentioned. I didn't have anybody else um, that I would definitely take ahead of Maxi. So I feel like it's a it's a solid like you could have Maxi anywhere from sixth to like eleventh anywhere in there. I I feel like yeah. is the right the right range for him. Um, but yeah, just Bleacher Report having. Him and, uh, as you said, they didn't have Sadiq Bay either in their in their, their top 14 of a redraft. It just goes to show that, you know, even bigger publications don't always have it even close to right all the time. So, <laughs> uh, but it was good to, uh, to kind of walk through it because Sixers fans, understandably, their reflex was, 
whereas Maxi's not even listed, like this is complete garbage. But and it, it, it Maxi not being listed was garbage. But I, I wanted to actually take an analytical look at it and say like, all right, yeah, Maxi should be listed, but but where should he be listed? Let's let's really take a look. So I uh, appreciate you you jumping on and, and giving your your draft uh, your draft chops. I, I, I liked having you on this week to, to discuss that with me, Harrison. So. Um, Appreciate you jumping on, and uh, again, thank you for bringing the the, the Furcon Corkmas video into our lives. It it really helped a uh, the doldrums of the off season as as we wind down and approach training camp. That was a big help. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, I, I mentioned you're at Harrison underscore Grim on Twitter. Um, anything else? And and obviously, you do great work for us here at Liberty Ballers. Anything else you want to promote or anything? Um, I do work at Profit X too, so so go check that out. And also, uh, thank you for having me on this pod. I, I'm trying to get through all the Liberty Ballers pods. I was on the out of sight. Now I can check this one off my list. So gastroenteritis blues. I'm I'm coming for y'all, Dan, Emily, <laughs> uh, Stephen. I'm I'm coming for y'all. So, but but for real, thanks for having me on, man. It, it was it was great talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have you back on uh, sometime during the the preseason or season. Yeah, we should give out like merit badges, like <laughs> like if you if you appear on a pod and then uh, or or like those apps that like you check in somewhere and you get the badge or whatever. Like we we should have that for the podcast network. I feel like that'd be good. Um, absolutely. All right. Well, Harrison, thanks thanks again for joining me and uh, for all the listeners out there. Um, we will be. I will be with a, you know, me and a guest next week and training camp will have started. So we'll have actual on court things to talk about, but uh, until then um, enjoy your weekend and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks.